episode of More Than Freud, a series of conversations between my dad and I about the many facets of psychology that I explored during my degree. If you want to find out more about who we are or the purpose of this podcast, feel free to listen to our introduction episode. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the illusion of truth heuristic, an interesting mental shortcut that our brain takes that applies to everything and everyone, from Stephen Colbert to Donald Trump. Last week we discussed Freud, and I learned that Freud is not really the giant of psychology inside psychology departments, which is a really interesting insight. But one of the factors of why Freud is so well considered outside of psychology is actually a psychology concept, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So today we're going to be talking about something called the illusory truth effect or illusion of truth heuristic. And that really relates to kind of that idea of Freud that we were talking about last week. So the illusory truth effect. Uh, What is that? So, you know, Freud's importance is actually a great example of this effect at work. So the illusory truth effect is a mental shortcut that our brains take where we confuse familiarity for truthfulness. So essentially, the positive feeling that's experienced when we hear information that we know is true is similar to the feeling that occurs when we hear information we've heard before. So as humans, we have the tendency to believe that things are familiar or that are repeated are then true. This sounds like um, the uh, thing you hear on Late Night with uh, Stephen Colbert, where he talks about the idea of truthiness. Yeah, and so, you know, what Colbert was actually describing is something very close to this effect when he came up with that term. And, you know, that happens a lot in psychology where psychological concepts are referenced in popular culture or history, but not really understood as these specific psychology ideas. What would be an example of that, that uh, this concept existed, you know, before uh, Colbert coined that term? Well, you know, relating to, yeah, so this effect specifically, there was a uh, historical Nazi propaganda law that stated that if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. So, you know, this was kind of used in manipulation and political tactics, but what they're actually referencing there is kind of how this illusory truth effect can be manipulated. That's, uh, <clears throat> that's really interesting. I mean, for me, this is like a, a light bulb moment. Where, again, I'm trying to always put psychology in a place in my head. <clears throat> but it strikes me as if uh, political science, in a way, is just applied psychology. Yeah, I think there could definitely be an argument for that. You know, I was reading an article recently in a Queen's Alumni magazine uh, in which a journalist was discussing kind of this idea of the pursuit of truth in a post-fact world and the impact of the spread of information, you know, especially in reference to kind of Donald Trump and the idea of fake news. But in the whole article, he didn't mention that a lot of that actually has roots in psychological concepts, for example, the illusory truth effect. So when did this concept uh, come into the psychology canon then? Well, so fairly recently, actually, it was first introduced in 1977 in a research paper describing a study by a series of American scientists. Okay, yeah, I think you shared that with me. So there's, uh, if your memory serves, there is a bunch of participants. They had three sessions, uh, a number of weeks apart, and they gave them a bunch of uh, questions that were factoids. 
Yeah, exactly. So like you mentioned, a group of volunteers was brought in over three sessions. And what the researchers did was in each session, they presented 20 statements or kind of these facts that uh, were repeated in each of the three sessions. And then they had 40 statements that were kind of unique to each session, so they only heard them once. And so what they found was that after asking the participants to grade kind of how much they believed in the truth of each statement, that the participants' confidence in the truth of the non-repeated statement, so the 40 that were unique to each session, remained steady, whereas their confidence in the truth of the repeated statements, those 20 that they heard each time, increased from the first to the second session, and then again from the second to the third. So really, so as they heard things more often, uh, demonstrably, they thought they were more truthful. Exactly. So this is really what led researchers to kind of create this term and effect and the idea that really repeating a statement makes it more likely to appear factual. So one, I'd just like to draw a comparison, you know, with our conversation last time about Freud, where Freud would, you know, uh, come up with ideas based on, you know, reading Greek myths and, and plays. This is, this is research and science. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of like we were talking about last week, um, that's something that I think non-psychologists or people outside the field often, you know, mistake in psychology. To really be able to put forth an idea or a theory, it needs to undergo rigorous testing. And then it also needs to hold up in rigorous testing by other researchers and scientists thereafter. So, for example, this particular manipulation, you know, the 60 questions and the 20 repeated, this kind of style of study has been done time and time again with the same results. So thinking about this, this I can see all the downsides of this. Well, why does our brain do this then? Why does the repetition make it seem better? Well, for sure. So, you know, like most heuristics or mental shortcuts, the illusory truth effect is actually something our brain does to avoid putting in more effort than necessary. You know, our mental energy is a very precious resource that we kind of need to preserve. So you can imagine if we subjected every piece of information that we received and everything we did and thought to rigorous analysis, we'd be exhausted. And so it's impossible to evaluate everything in search of the truth, which is why the human brain simply organizes information based on what we've learned using implicit memory. Implicit memory, I don't know that term. What does that mean? Yeah, so, you know, we'll cover the ins and outs of memory in a future episode, but in essence, the illusory truth effect happens without involving what we call explicit or conscious memory and is a direct result of implicit memory, a type of memory that uses previous experiences to perform tasks. So, you know, a great example of this is tying our shoes. So as young children, when we first learn how to tie our shoes, it's a very conscious and explicit task. You know, again, like you're thinking of the two bunny loops tied into a knot, you go through the steps in your head. It's... But then the more you do that task, it just becomes, you know, automatic, almost mechanical. And so you don't have to think through the explicit steps. And so it's almost this, our brain does the same thing with ideas in that there's certain aspects of our life and thinking that just kind of become automatic or mechanical. 
It's just one of the reasons why it's difficult for us to learn to tie our shoes in a different way. Like, actually, there's there's a number of ways you can tie a shoe. I learned uh, looking on the web one time, but it's it seems almost like a weirdly foreign concept. Exactly. So, you know, the same thing, um, if you really wanted to, you could take the time to kind of put in that conscious mental effort and change those kind of automatic processes. But again, that takes this precious mental energy. So it's, you know, the same thing with the heuristic. We can put in the time to really think through the this information that we're saving in ideas, but it is a more taxing mental process. So for, you know, tying your shoes and learning a new way to tie them, that's not like a, a big deal. But obviously this is a pretty big deal when we're making uh, voting decisions about who's going to be our leader. How can we stop or disconnect ourselves from this uh, illusionary truth effect? Well, you know, there's a few pieces of good news. So the first is that while this effect is quite powerful, it doesn't completely nullify logical reasoning. So kind of like we were mentioning, you know, if you really wanted to take the time to learn a new way to tie your shoes, similarly, you can't, you always have the ability to perform these mental processes that will allow you to understand if something is true or false. So you can put in that effort and take those steps. The other good news is that by even simply listening to this podcast and being aware of this idea, you can help protect against it. So kind of the idea is as soon as we have a name to this idea, you're more able to recognize when it's happening and therefore more able to guard against it. So back to like, actually one of the concepts of us doing this podcast is, you know, an exploration of psychology, which I completely admit my utter ignorance of. So in, in school, at least when I was in school, is a very big thing. We taught kids how to tie their shoes. I mean, shouldn't we be teaching kids also how to make better decisions or to avoid some of these effects that, you know, their brain does to sabotage them? Yeah, and I think there's definitely an argument to be said for that. You know, in my most recent judgment and decision-making class, that's actually was one of my professor's main goals for the class was just to create better decision-makers by making us aware of all of these you know, processes that go on in our brains. And I think, especially right now, um, most people don't have access, you know, to those classes. And I think with the popularity of social media, you know, anyone can really be putting out information and sharing ideas. And so I think it's especially important right now to recognize that we should not be continuing to perpetuate falsehoods and really ensuring that the information that we're sharing is valid and true. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I have responsibility as a consumer, but uh, I probably have even a bigger responsibility as a creator if I'm, you know, knowingly sharing um, concepts or ideas that are false. I'm contributing to this where, you know, I'm just one of the, another knock on the door of, uh, of untruth, which suddenly becomes truth for my listener. Yeah, and I think... You know, a big part of this is simply going through a simple process of double checking why we believe what we do. So, you know, if something sounds plausible to us, is it is it because it really is or is it simply because it's just something we've heard numerous times before? You know, I, you often hear of the kind of classic, humans only use 10% of our brains, mm -hmm. you know, which is not a true fact. Wait, wait, that's, not, that's not true? <laughs> no, it's not a, oh it's not a true no? idea. And so, um, again, kind of like bringing it back to Freud, there's just these things that we hear so often, they almost kind of have this, again, using Colbert's 
term, this kind of glow of truthiness that surrounds them. But there's a whole movie, isn't it? Like Lucy with Scarlett Johansson? There is. I know you should talk to the directors of that one. Oh. I don't know if they took their Psych 100. But no, so I think really just pausing and before, you know, just rapidly sharing information that we see on our pages, making sure that, again, we're not just contributing to this perpetuation of falsehoods. You know, one of the things in, um, we know, teachers, and they often talk about teaching media literacy, and they talk about, you know, we all learn about, like, truth in advertising and how, and actually advertising has a code. You're not allowed to make false uh, claims in an ad, but we don't seem to have the same thing in, in any of these other media. And they're really taking advantage of this, like, little, you know, back door in our brain that just says, if I hear it 20 times, well, geez, it must be true. No, again, I think that's also why it's so important to kind of bring up these ideas and kind of be able to put a name to that concept. Because I think, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I hope that most of these people don't actively know that they're manipulating these kind of backdoors in our brain. But regardless, it can be quite dangerous because, um, you know, elections and presidential campaigns, um, anything that really involves public opinion can be so tainted and affected by this manipulation of truth. Wow. And once again, I mean, I think you're really convincing me uh, and exposing my ignorance of this topic, but really exposing that this is probably one of the more important things that we should be learning. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, that's, you know, I'm biased, but that's why I think, you know, everyone needs to take a psychology class at some point, even just to kind of grapple with these everyday concepts that are often lost. Mm, that's great. Thank you very much. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of More Than Freud. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please comment and rate us five stars wherever you listen. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and we hope to have you back here again.